Today, I am continuing a series that I've entitled Christian Philosophy Part 2. Now, Part 2 is distinguished from Part 1. Part 1 is where I talked about how, the, how you, important it is to think properly about such issues as the Word of God being infallible, about Jesus being Lord, about God being a good God, and things like this. Now, I'm beginning to talk about how you uh, take your experience with the Lord and what the Bible has to say and how that affects your philosophy or your world view towards homosexuality. First of all, that's the first thing we've been talking about. And I've basically been trying to establish from Scripture how it's correct for a Christian, specifically a Christian minister, to speak out on these social issues. We need the influence of the Word of God, and we don't need to leave uh, the morality of our nation to ungodly people who don't have a relationship with God. People who are Christians should be speaking out. So I've basically been establishing my right to do that. Today I'm going to start going through just some scriptures and show you from scriptures what the Bible has to say about homosexuality. And then I'm going to go into statistics and that will confirm this even from a secular point of view. And you know, let me just say once again that a lot of people get really excited when I do something like this and they love it because, man, I'm bringing out these, these facts. I'm even going to use graphs that came from the gay and lesbian, uh, their own newsletter, their own uh, website to verify and prove some of these things. And people just love this because, man, this is the truth. And I'm doing this because I believe that there are people today who the word isn't enough for them and so they need something to attract their attention. And there's so much even physical, natural proof outside of the Word of God against a homosexual lifestyle that I am going to use that. But let me just say that, you know what? My heart is really based on what God has to say. And for me, the Scriptures are more than enough, not just all these other things. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, I'm, I know some of these things are going to be so simple that people think you don't need to say this, but... We do need to say it. We need to know this. You need to not only have an opinion, but you need to be able to go back to the Bible and verify your opinion. You know, I'd like to encourage you to make notes on this, and you can go back and have these facts and scriptures to be able to verify what God has to say on this issue of homosexuality. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, "...so God created man in his own image." In the image of God created he him, male and female, female created he them. Now this is kind of a subtle point here. Some people think, what does that have to do with homosexuality? Well, just the fact that God created mankind, the human race, with male and female, and then he goes on and blessed them and told them to be fruitful and procreate and have children. You know, if God had have created two men, well then we wouldn't have the human race today. We wouldn't have any of this. God created them male and female. Jesus referred to this in the 10th chapter of the book of Mark when he was quizzed on uh, divorce and remarriage. And he says from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he wasn't only talking about our two original parents, Adam and Eve, but he was talking about that God created men and women and intended for marriage to be between men and women. Now that is a scriptural stand. And any person who is going to sit there and embrace 
alternate lifestyles, homosexuals, lesbians, you are going to have to discount what the Scripture says. There's just no way around it. I honestly do not see how a person can claim to be a Christian and yet promote and advocate homosexuality and lesbianism. It's wrong from Scripture. It's wrong from any standpoint you look at it. Now, if you want to sit there and have compassion towards those who have done it and help them, that's great. I do that same thing. I reach out and I've seen numbers of homosexuals get straight. But for you to endorse it and promote it, you have to take a stand against the Word of God. And I honestly don't understand how Christians can take a stand against the Word of God and still claim to be a Christian. If you're truly born again, if God is, has come into your life, there is just an instant change to where you love God and you love the things of God. And for you to promote something that is an absolute abomination to God makes me question whether there is true salvation. And I know I'll probably get a lot of hate mail about that. I just am telling you this is how I feel. I just can't understand it. Now, there may be some things I don't know in the Word, but if somebody was to present me with Scriptures and tell me that thus saith the Lord, this is what it says, and if I could agree with their interpretation of it, well, then for me to just say, well, who cares what the Bible says? This is what I believe. Man, that is just foreign to me. And I can't imagine any person who truly has a relationship with God just throwing the Word of God down and exalting your own opinion or whatever opinion you've been told and raised with. In Genesis chapter 19 is a classic uh, passage of Scripture that shows God's attitude towards homosexuality. The whole chapter is about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God sent two angels down to Sodom and Gomorrah and they didn't have wings and they didn't look like angels. They looked like men. Scripture says, I believe it's uh, Hebrews chapter 13, that many of us have entertained angels unaware. Angels don't come with wings and things like that. They look like normal people. And so much so that the men of the city, here it is in Genesis chapter 19 in verse 4, it says, before they laid down, this is talking about Lot and these two angels, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Now that's the King James that I'm reading, but the NIV translates it this way, Bring them out to us that we may have sex with them. And it's very clear that this is exactly what it's talking about. And of course, uh, Lot was so repulsed by this, he says, no way. And he put his life on the line and eventually these angels struck all of the men of the city blind. And they were groping around trying to find their way. And then these two angels grabbed Lot and his wife and his two daughters that were at home. He grabbed, they grabbed them by the hand and they took them out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then in Genesis chapter 19, verse 24, it says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And if you read Genesis chapter 19, I've just taken a small portion of those scriptures, but there is no way that you can read that and think that God approves of homosexuality. You know, not far from us, there is a church that claims to be Christians and they are a homosexual group. And I could understand a Christian 
being a homosexual and having a tendency in that way. I, I think that homosexuality is a sin like adultery or like pornography or like any other number of things. And I believe that Christians can get into pornography. I believe that Christians can commit adultery. I believe that Christians can commit the sin of homosexuality. But, you know, there is no such thing as some church that is promoting adultery and promoting lying and stealing. Christians do some of these things that are wrong, but to get to where you promote it and have a church built around people who are nothing but adulterers and you want to embrace it and say that God made me to be an adulterer, that is perverse. And people who are homosexuals are committing sin and they can be forgiven. Praise God for that. I'm not against them. But to start a church to where they actually embrace it and promote it, they have to ignore scriptures like this. God was not pleased with homosexuality. Sodom and Gomorrah, matter of fact, today we still call homosexuals sodomites based on the fact that all of the people in Sodom were homosexuals. And God destroyed them with fire. And so some people might come back and say, so you're you saying that we should just kill all homosexuals and here you are, you're one of these right-wingers and you are promoting hate speech. No, under the new covenant, there is a cure for homosexuality. You know, let me just go back to a couple of scriptures here. Um, in Exodus chapter 21, verse 17, let me turn over and read this to you. This is Exodus chapter 21 and verse 17. And there, this is written in a number of different passages of scripture. But in this passage, it says, um, He that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And this exact same thing is recorded over in Leviticus chapter 20 verse 9, Proverbs chapter 20 verse 20, also Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 18. It says there that if a child is stubborn and rebellious and if the parent has tried to correct them and yet they will not uh, obey, then the parent is to take them to the elders of the city and say, this my child is stubborn and rebellious, they're a drunkard. And then the men of the city are supposed to stone that child to death. Now, some people, when they see things like this, they just get incensed and think about, that's the way all you religious people are. You just want to kill anybody who disagrees with you or whatever. There was a reason in the Old Testament that you saw this kind of wrath and punishment where uh, homosexuals were put to death. People that committed adultery were put to death. People who cursed their parents were put to death. You can also see that uh, when the children of Israel entered, entered into the promised land, that the Lord told them to kill all the men, the women, and even the children and the animals. And some people think this is just so harsh and it's so barbaric and they have a hard time reconciling this with the God of the New Testament that operates in mercy and in grace. But here is the way, here is a simple way to combine those two and understand why God did this. It's similar to cancer. You know, cancer is something that is, if you let it go, it'll kill the entire body. And so the treatment that we have today, you can't cure cancer based on what we know. What they do, they go in and they cut it out. They'll actually amputate. That Women take breasts off. You could cut off an arm. You could cut out these things. They irradiate it. And they do these terrible things that are harsh and severe. But you know why they do it? trying to stop the cancer because it's terminal. 
before Jesus came, there was no cure for being demon-possessed. And the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, homosexuality is a demonic thing. I guarantee you there are demonic powers involved in homosexuality. And people practice bestiality in Sodom and Gomorrah. I've read archaeological uh, evidence and things about that time, that period. And bestiality was the norm of the day. That's spoken against in the Bible. And people were literally having sex. Women were having sex with animals. Men were having sex with animals. Men were having sex with each other. All of those things opened people up to demonic powers. And under the old covenant, you couldn't be delivered. Jesus hadn't come, hadn't broken the dominion of the devil. And so in a sense, people who gave themselves over to this extent to the devil to where they were demon-possessed and doing these acts of perversion were like a cancer upon the human race. And if God hadn't have purged these things out and have been harsh with this rebellion, which I read about the children that curse his father or mother, it says over in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it says that stubbornness is as iniquity and rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. I mean, it's demonic. And prior to the cross of Christ... There wasn't a cure, and so you had to cut out those things. It was harsh on the individuals, just the same as it would be harsh on your hand if you amputated your hand to save the rest of your body. But overall, it was an act of mercy towards the entire body. Well, likewise, it was an act of mercy towards the entire human race to be so harsh against these things because it was a cancer that would have just literally polluted the entire human race so that there wouldn't have been a human race. There wouldn't have been a virgin left for the Lord Jesus to have been born through if God hadn't have purged out this cancer, this ungodliness. So you see this wrath and punishment. But in the new covenant, there is a cure now for homosexuality. And there's a cure for bestiality. And there's a cure for adultery. And there's a cure for rebellious children. So under the new covenant, we don't kill people for those things because there's always hope that the Lord can change them. That doesn't mean that what they're doing is right. It's still wrong and it's still damaging and it still opens yourself up to demonic powers. But, it's, but there is an answer for it. So I am not advocating that we kill people the way it happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus didn't kill people during his lifestyle. Now, he did uh, make a whip and go in and drive the people out of the money changers. He stood for what was right, and he didn't always just go around with his hands folded and turn the other cheek. Even though he told us to do that, there is a time for us to stand up. But Jesus wasn't killing people. Matter of fact, he said... Uh, when his disciples wanted to call fire down out of heaven and kill these people who had come out against him. This is in Luke chapter 9 around verse 52. He says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy man's lives but to save them. Jesus didn't come to kill. But does that mean that things are now all right and it's okay to be a homosexual? It's okay to be a, uh, an adulterer? It's okay to lie and steal? No, there is forgiveness for all of those things, but they aren't right. But anyway, just remember all of that. Factor this back into Genesis 19. We aren't advocating that we kill homosexuals. That's wrong. And anybody who does that, you know, anybody who goes out and kills an abortion doctor or puts a bomb in an abortion clinic, that is not God's heart. 
There's probably people thinking that because I'm taking a stand against it that I'm instantly one of those that bombs abortion clinics, that I'm all for killing uh, doctors that do abortion, that I'm a, I hate homosexuals. And you know what? You are misjudging me. You're prejudiced. You are just flat out standing against all of the facts. I've got people who have committed adultery. I've got people who are friends of mine who have committed homosexuality. And they're still friends of mine. And I still love them. And I've helped them through it. I am not into hurting people. I am not into protesting and uh, bombing abortion clinics. That's the reason that I started a pregnancy center in Colorado Springs. I helped start it was because I didn't want to go out and do something negative and just criticize people. I wanted to do something positive. And we have actually seen the abortion rate cut dramatically right here in this area of Colorado Springs. And it affected the entire state of Colorado. The abortion rate has gone down because we started something proactive instead of just being against things. I am not into killing people. I am not trying to encourage people to hate homosexuals. But I am saying that we ought to hate that sin. And you can tell from Genesis 19 God's attitude towards homosexuality. He now has paid for it through Jesus. He is not going to send people to hell just for the sin of homosexuality. It's the sin of rejecting Jesus that sends people to hell. But the sin of homosexuality has been paid for. There is acceptance. There's forgiveness for homosexuals. But I tell you, God is against homosexuality. Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22 says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. How clear do you have to get? Again, there's people watching this program that I'm sure you just don't let the Word of God influence what you believe. To you, that's not that important. But I'm telling you, this is what the Word of God says. The Word of God was around long before you showed up. It's going to be around long after you were gone. And you can like it or dislike it, but this is God's evaluation. Homosexuality is abomination. The word abomination means it's something that God hates. It is a perversion. It's wrong. You have to switch your brain off to operate in homosexuality. It is not logical. It's not normal. There wouldn't be a human race if everybody was a homosexual. This is not the way that God created us to be. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 13 it says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Again, I'd like to point out what I've already said on today's program, that under the old covenant there was no cure, so you had to just amputate, kill whatever, whoever it was that gave themselves over to such perversion that they would be a homosexual. In the New Testament, we have a cure, and that is faith in Jesus. You can be forgiven of all things from which you could not be forgiven under the Old Covenant. And that's a quotation, I believe, from Acts chapter 13, one of Paul's messages. And so we have a different cure. You don't kill the patient anymore. You just cure them. But the sickness is still wrong. It's still deadly. You don't indulge it. Homosexuality is wrong. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 17 says, There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. And of course, sodomite is referring back to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah where everybody was homosexuals and God destroyed them. 
And then in the next verse it says, Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow, for even both of these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. You know, there's some strong things said right here. It's saying that a sodomite, a homosexual, is like a dog. Calls them a dog. That's a derogatory term. Dogs were not spoken of well in Scripture. Today, that, that little poodle may be your favorite pet, but in the Bible, they, I guess, hadn't been domesticated or they certainly weren't something that was spoken of highly. A dog was a derogatory term, and it's calling a homosexual a dog. Again, I am not against the individual, but I am against the homosexual act. It is ungodly, and this is what God had to say about it. And I do not make any apologies for having the same opinion as God about homosexuality. It's wrong. God made them Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And if you are trying to change that and go with Adam and Steve, then you are perverting something, and it's an offense to God. He hates it. It's an abomination. He doesn't hate the individuals. He loved you so much He died for you, and He's paid for your forgiveness. And you can be forgiven of homosexuality. But God still hates it because He knows how damaging to you it is. In 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 24, it says, And there were also sodomites in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Again, it's speaking of homosexuality in a negative sense and liken it unto the sins of the nations that caused those nations to be driven out before the children of Israel. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it starts talking about the gospel, the good news that God loves you and is not mad at you. And then in verses 18 through 20, it tells you why you don't have to tell people how terrible they are because they already know it in their heart. And there is an intuitive knowledge on the inside of every person. You know, let me just put a little parenthetical phrase here and explain something, and then I'll be right back to this thought. The reason that homosexuals are so violent, and I mean they are violent, they get offended in a hurry, is because in their heart they know that it's wrong. Everybody knows that it's wrong. And there are people probably watching this who are saying that is an absolute lie, that's not true. I'm basing that on Romans 1, 18 through 20. It says, God has revealed Himself from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. They have an intuitive knowledge. Even God's eternal power and Godhead are revealed unto them so that they are without excuse. And I make no apologies for that. I've talked to people when I was in Vietnam who said that they were atheists and that there wasn't any God. And they made fools of me. One came into a Bible study and literally took my Bible study group with them and out-talked me. And yet within 30 minutes, he was back there saying, I want what you've got. And you know, in his heart, he knew that there was a God. People get into these mind games, but when the bullets are flying and the bombs are dropping, there are no atheists in the foxhole. If you put a gun to a person's head and cock it, they're going to say, Oh, God, even if they say they're atheists. People can say that there is no conviction and that you know they are homosexual and that this is the way they've always been and that, no, this is perfectly right, but that's not true. And the reason they are so touchy about it and the reason they fight against it so hard is because in their heart they know it's wrong. The reason that homosexuals are pushing so hard for recognition and approval isn't because they want to be normal like all of the heterosexual couples. 
They just don't want the stigmatism and they are touchy about it because in their heart they know that it's wrong. So that's what Romans 1, 18 through 20 says. And then in verse 21, it starts showing you that there are progressive steps that a person takes away from God. And every time you disobey the conscience on the end time. And every time you step away from this intuitive knowledge of right and wrong, you put a layer of insensitivity between you and God. And you can get more insensitive and more insensitive so that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it talks about you can have your conscience seared with a hot iron. You can get to the place where your conscience doesn't work anymore. And in Romans chapter 1, it's showing you the progressive steps People take away from God towards this being what the Bible calls reprobate or where you are no longer under any conviction. And homosexuality is right at the last step. It, people don't start out in homosexuality. You have to cross the line, first of all, and start doing many, many things that violate your conscience. And by the time you get to being a homosexual, you have already deadened yourself and numbed yourself towards the conviction of God and you are dangerously close to being apostate or reprobate. That's what these verses are saying. So let me just read some of this. Romans chapter 1 verse 24. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. That verse 25 is talking about idolatry, idol worship. In verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. And it begins to start talking about lesbianism and then homosexuality. Remember that I said that this is a progression. And some people might say, well, if it's progression, this talked about idolatry first and then it started talking about lesbianism and then homosexuality. And man, I haven't committed idolatry. Well, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, it says that covetousness is idolatry. And I could spend a lot of time developing this, but idolatry isn't only falling down to some wood or stone or gold statue. But, you know, you can worship the almighty dollar. You can worship all of the physical, natural things in your possessions can become your God. And that's a step away from God. Now, that's not a popular message in the United States or in Western cultures where covetousness is not only allowed, but it's promoted. Our um, ads and everything is basically just trying to create covetousness on the inside of you. And it's been embraced and said so many times that people now have gotten to where covetous lifestyle is normal, but the Bible calls it idolatry. And after that, in verse 26, it says, For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, men working with men that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And, you know, I'm interpreting a little bit here, but I don't think it takes very much interpretation to see that this is talking about all of the damaging physical effects, AIDS and other things like this that come as a result of homosexuality. This isn't saying that God put AIDS on people as punishment. It just says that there is a consequence. You go out and live in perversion. You know, if you stick your hand into a saw, 
you're going to get cut. And that's not God that cuts you, but it's the laws that He created that you get something fast moving like that and stick your hand into it, you're going to suffer. Well, God created laws over this earth. And when you start ignoring those laws and living in perversion, these uh, sexually transmitted diseases and things like that are the results of it. You know what? If you live a godly lifestyle, it'll stop all these sexually transmitted diseases. Now, somebody will probably come out and say something about, well, you could get AIDS through a, a, a needle in a hospital. Well, certainly that has happened. But you've got to admit, if you will be honest, that the vast majority come through perversion of lifestyle, perverted sexual contact. And if people would be moral, then they wouldn't have it. Primarily, to a vast, large degree, these sexually transmitted diseases and AIDS come as a result of immorality. And in Uganda, they've been promoting this abstinence. They have cut that AIDS rate down to, I think it was 6%. They're teaching godliness. Would to God that America could do the same thing. You know, I was just in Uganda and I got to speak to some of the members of the parliament, a prayer uh, breakfast type thing. And it was just that week or so recently before I got there that the International Monetary Fund had offered them a huge sum of money if they would just embrace homosexuality and promote it as being normal. And the uh, parliament of Uganda said that our morality is not for sale. And they refused it and turned down this huge amount of money that could have been a blessing to them. But in a sense, there's this international pressure seeing being put on people. They're trying to buy their loyalty. And they not only rejected that, but while I was there, they were introducing a bill that would make homosexuality against the law. They were going the other direction. They got pushed and so they're pushing back. Would to God that America would stand up for its principles. I think it's Proverbs chapter 14 verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any nation. I guarantee you sin and the ungodliness going on in this nation is a reproach and it is not promoting us and it's not helping us. We ought to stand for something. We ought to take a stand and I encourage you to make this an issue. You ought to vote for people who are going to promote godliness instead of ungodliness. And in verse 28, this is Romans 1, 28, it says, Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. This reprobate mind is talking about that since people didn't want God's conviction, they didn't want Him around, God just withdrew conviction from them. In John chapter 6, verse 44, I believe it is, the scripture says that no man can come unto the Father except the Spirit drawing. People on their own do not seek after God. It is not fallen human nature to seek after God. God has to draw us, woo us by His Spirit. And that's what Jesus was saying. No man can come unto the Father except the Spirit drawing. And if people go to rebelling and pushing God away and saying, I don't want you in my life, You can reach a place to where God will say, all right, you don't want me, I won't draw you. And if God quits drawing you, you are reprobate. That means that you have no conviction, no knowledge of the truth, and you don't care. And I tell you, I think that we have a lot of reprobate people today that have gone past, they've passed this point to where there is no conviction. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron, as it talks about 
in First uh, Timothy chapter 4. And they, at one time, they knew the truth, but they have just rejected it so long. God has given them over to this reprobate mind. And we have those people rising to the forefront and taking leadership today. In verse 29, it says, "...being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters." Boy, I wish I had time to teach on every one of these things. Some of these things are not only allowed but encouraged in our society today. And yet they're all being listed as being terrible things that bring a person to where they're reprobate, to where God won't even deal with you anymore. Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, which is natural affection here is talking about uh, those who um, are homosexuals or uh, break up the family, implacable unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do it. And so this shows you that homosexuality is listed along with terrible sins, such as murder and and, uh, extortion and just all of these terrible things. Homosexuality is a sin. And it's one of the very last sins in a progression of things that move us away from God. It's one of the very last things before a person becomes reprobate, totally beyond God's reach. Not that God couldn't reach him, but that they just said no so many times, God lets them go. And he's not going to draw them. That's a terrible state. You don't want to be there. I guarantee you, anybody who's flirting with homosexuality is flirting with being reprobate, apostate. You don't want that. You don't want anybody else to be that. That's terrible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And this Greek word that was translated, uh, translated abusers of themselves with mankind, I won't attempt to pronounce that, but it literally means uh, those that defile themselves with mankind. The NIV uh, translates this as homosexual offenders. And this is exactly what it's talking about. So that's talking about homosexuality. It's in Old English and some people don't recognize that. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 is talking about that. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, "...knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man." but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind. Now here is that same Greek word that was just used in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It's being used here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, and it means them that defile themselves with mankind, Or, as the NIV puts it, this is talking about homosexuality. So it's listed again in the midst of a list of things with murder and stealing and all of these things. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, it says, "...and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that that after should live ungodly." 
You know, for anybody who says, what does God think about homosexuality? Again, we've used those verses already, but Genesis 19 shows you what God thinks about it. And then here in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, it says that God did this and set an example for those who later would want to be homosexuals. You wonder what God's opinion about it is? Read Genesis 19 about God destroying all of Sodom and Gomorrah and wiping out men, women, and children because of the abomination that it was. It's wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. The homosexual, God can forgive. But the homosexuality is wrong. It is a perversion. It is an abomination to God. In Jude chapter 1 verse 7, it says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of fire. And so that verse shows you that this is something that is an example that God set for us, and it is wrong. Homosexuality is a sin. I just don't know any way to interpret the Scriptures other than to say homosexuality is a sin. And again, it really bothers me. It's one thing for a person to be a homosexual and to know that it's wrong, and they're just going to persist in it anyway. But today, people are actually trying to twist it to where this is normal, and they're saying that I can't help it. I was created this way. That is an absolute lie. There's a lot of things I could say on that, but let me just use this one line of reasoning to make that point. God judged it. In Genesis 19, it's referred to in Second Peter, it's referred to in Jude, and there's just so many times that He commanded us not to do it. God would be unjust to command a person not to do something that they are genetically disposed towards. Now, God doesn't do things like that. When God tells you not to lie, not to steal, it's because you can stop those things. You don't have to do it. If God was to tell you not to breathe, that's unreasonable because you've got to breathe. That's something that you can't help. If He was to tell you not to be a man or not to be a woman, that would be unreasonable because He created you that way. But God never created anybody a homosexual. That is being promoted and established today and there is absolutely zero proof of it. It is not true and based on the fact that God held people accountable and told them not to do this and if they did it, He judged them. That shows you that from God's standpoint, which is the correct standpoint, it is not genetic. I believe that every person sometime or another, you know, is confused and we wonder about this and we challenge things. And in our culture today, every time a person has any problem, they come along and say, well, the reason your marriage isn't working, the reason you just can't get along with women is because maybe you're a homosexual. And they confuse people and they sow these seeds of doubt and get them involved in a lifestyle. And then once they're in it, it's a, it's a, it's a trap. And it's hard to get out of the condemnation and stuff like that. But they are preying on people with this thing that it is genetically disposed and that is not true. God didn't make you to be something different, act differently than your sex that you have. If you're a man, God intended you to have a relation with a woman. If you're a woman, God intended you to have a relationship with a man. And that is the truth and God didn't make you any other way. And it's a lie when people are telling you that you can't help it. You can help it. It's wrong. I don't hate you. I, in fact, love you is the reason I'm telling you the truth. Homosexuality is sin. 
God loves the sinner, but He hates the sin. Homosexuality is an abomination. And I've given you the scriptural things. God doesn't always explain Himself why He says these things. But for those of you who the Bible isn't sufficient, or you think that it's outdated or that it doesn't apply to us, like, uh, you know, let me just say this. Again, I'm not trying to dish on anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. These are, these are truths that anybody can research and find out for yourself. But President Clinton, the uh, president of the United States for eight years, claimed to be a born-again Christian. And he was outspoken on that. And in a news conference one time, somebody asked him, you claim to be a born-again Christian and you believe in the Bible and yet the Bible speaks against homosexuality and against abortion and against many of the things that he was for. And so they just asked him, how do you reconcile being a born-again Christian with what the Bible teaches on these things? And his answer was, and I can't quote him exactly, but here's the point, that he believed that the Bible was just a book about God written by men, and it needed to be interpreted based on our situation. So he didn't believe it was infallible. He believed that it was uh, up for interpretation and it needed to be updated. And back, you know, thousands of years ago, homosexuality was wrong for whatever reason, but today things have changed. Well, now see, that's the only way I can understand a person who claims to be a Christian embracing some of these perversions today is for you to just relegate the Bible as being irrelevant. And it doesn't matter what the Bible says. And we are now enlightened and we've gone beyond the Bible. That's the way that a lot of people view this. But if you claim to believe the Bible, I just don't, I cannot reconcile how Christians who are supposed to be Bible believers can embrace and promote things that are just completely contrary to Scripture. And I don't want to try and understand it. I just think it's wrong. So for those of you that, you know, the Word of God's not enough. Here are some statistics. If you were to take these facts and look at this, I do not believe that you could sit there and embrace and promote a homosexual lifestyle because it is so uh, damaging to a person. It is one of the most destructive things that could possibly happen. And that's by statistics, not by faith, not by church standards, not by somebody's standard of morality. This is just the facts. Here are some of these facts. There, this uh, group, uh, Bell and Weinberg, A.P. Bell and M.S. Weinberg, uh, produced a book entitled Homosexualities, A Study of Diversity Among Men and Women. And this was a uh, study, of course, on homosexuality. They found that 43% of white male homosexuals had sex with 500 or more partners in their lifetime. And yet they want to present that homosexuality is just being as normal as a heterosexual couple. There was 28% of the white male homosexuals that had had over 1,000 sex partners in a lifetime. Now, even if you are going to sit there and argue that homosexuality is normal and acceptable... This is perversion by anybody's standards. For 43% of the homosexuals to have had 500 or more partners, just take about, talk about this as being heterosexual. What if you looked at a couple 
And in a lifetime, they had had 500 or more sexual partners. I guarantee you anybody's standard. I don't care if you're pagan. I don't care if you're non-Christian. Anybody looks at that and says, this is not good. This is not a healthy environment. There isn't a single um, judge or court system today that if somebody, if you could prove that they had had 500 sexual partners that you were raising a kid in that environment, there isn't a judge that would say that this is an acceptable norm. This is a perversion by anybody's standards. And yet they're trying to portray themselves as being normal. And yet nearly 50% of them have more than 500 partners in a lifetime. Among heterosexuals, there's 80% that remain faithful after five years. You know, I've got a graph here, and uh, this graph is showing uh, on the left-hand side is zero up to 90%. And the first uh, column is married females. And 85% of married females claim that they are uh, sexually faithful to their mate in a marriage. Out of married males, it's 75.5% of married males claim that they are faithful to their mate. And then you come over here to the homosexuals and there is 4.5% that claim that they are faithful to their mate. There is something here that makes homosexuality in a class all by itself. This claim that they are faithful to their mate is, is not true. They are not normal by anybody's stretch of the imagination. It is a perverted lifestyle, and once you cross that threshold, it leads to promiscuity. It leads to unfaithfulness. There is no such thing as this is just a faithfully committed couple. That's not true. When they say that they are in a committed relationship. You know what they mean by committed relationship? Among the homosexuals who said that they were committed to their partner, they averaged three to five other sexual encounters per year. So what even they are defining as being committed is not committed at all. I guarantee you among those that are married here, if they knew that their mate was having three to four or five sexual encounters per year, that this would be totally different. So their definition, what they call commitment, is not true at all. You could go to the state of Vermont, and Vermont has legalized homosexual marriage. And um, they estimate the percentage of homosexuals in Vermont based on the percentage of homosexuals to the population. Now, the homosexual community will tell you that's anywhere from 10 to 12, 13 percent is what they claim. This statistic that I'm referring to was based on there only being 2 to 3% of homosexuals, which most people believe is more accurate. Homosexuals are claiming a larger influence than what they truly have. And if you were to take the homosexuals' claims that it was 10 to 12%, that would make these stats that I'm about to give you much, much worse. And if you take the population of Vermont, take 2 to 3%, and decide that those are the number of homosexuals, and then you look at the number of people that when marriage was okayed between two men or two women, and you look at the number who took advantage of it and actually went through and got married, there was less than 25% of the conservative numbers of homosexuals. If you were to take what the homosexuals claim, that they're 10 to 12 or 13%, well, then there was probably 1% or less 
of all homosexuals who take advantage of marriage when it's offered. And you know why? Because, again, I go back that 43% of all homosexuals have 500 or more partners in a lifetime. 28% of them have over 1,000. This is a smokescreen. They're wanting acceptability. They're wanting recognition, and they're wanting some of the... Uh, maybe some of the benefits that go along with, you know, being a, a partner of somebody and they're wanting some of the financial things, but this is a smokescreen that they are committed in their relationships. There may be somebody watching this who comes up and can cite some example of people that have been together for 20 or 30 something years, but I can guarantee you that is the exception rather than the rule. I've also got some other uh, statistics here. If I can find them, here is the length of current homosexual relationships based on a survey. And this comes from the Gay and Lesbian Consumer Online Census. It was conducted 2003 to 2004. So this is their own information. Somebody might dislike what I'm saying and saying you're twisting the information. This is the Gay and Lesbian Consumer Online Census. And the reason they were putting out these negative numbers is to show you how traumatized they are so that you'd feel sorry for them, but it makes a point. Uh, there is 11% of homosexual relationships that have been married for less than a year. There are 31% of all homosexual relationships have been married or... I don't even guess married is the right word. They've been in these relationships for one to three years. There is 29% that have been four to seven years and 14% have been eight to 11 years. And then beyond 12 years, it goes down to 6%. And for those that have been in a relationship for 20 years or more, there is a total of 5%. In contrast to this, here is a graph that is from the National Center for Health Statistics, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, 2001. And there are 80% of heterosexual marriages that they have been married for five years or less. 66% have been married for 10 years or less. 57% have been married for 15 years or less. And 50% of all heterosexual marriages have been 20 years or more. Now contrast that with the homosexuals. There are 5% of homosexual relationships that have been together for 20 years or more. So another way of saying this is the chances of you maintaining a relationship are 10 times better if you go about it in the traditional way that God created rather than trying to do some perversion. This is not good on relationships. It is not normal by anybody's standard except their own. It is just not right. And look at this. Here's another statistic on uh, partner violence. Among lesbians, there is an 11.4% spousal abuse rate among lesbians. Among married women, it's point. Uh, Two, six. In other words, one quarter of one percent is what they claim spousal abuse. That means that among lesbians, that the spousal abuse rate for women is 44 times greater than it is among heterosexual couples. Now just stop for a moment. Think about all of the women that have been abused and how that there's these helplines and there's these things set up to help abused women. 
And certainly that's a valid thing. I'm, I, I'm not saying that spousal abuse is good, but I'm saying that among heterosexuals, it is less than one quarter of 1%. And among lesbians, it's 11.4%, 44 times greater. Now, if people were going to really be honest, and if they were going to apply the truth across the board, they would be down on homosexuality and lesbianism because of the spousal abuse. There's people today that are coming out against marriage because of the spousal abuse that some women suffer. And yet it's a fraction compared to what goes on in a lesbian relationship. Look at this among homosexual men. There are 15.4% of homosexual men who claim spousal abuse. Among married men, it is 0.05. Five hundredths of one percent of men claim that they have been abused by their wife. So that means that among homosexual males, you have a 300 times greater chance of spousal abuse than you do among heterosexuals. Now again, if anybody was wanting to be honest, and if they weren't prejudiced, and if they didn't have an agenda that they were trying to promote, if people were just looking at this, if you could somehow or another take homosexual off of this, and if you were to show that there is some type of behavior that is going to cause 300 times the abuse that happens to the normal population, I guarantee you the people would be on this like a chicken on a June bug. They would be out fighting this. They would be campaigning against this. We've got to stop this. And yet here's homosexuality that by every one of these measurements is damaging and it's not good for you and yet people will be afraid to say anything against it. And if you do say something against it, then they come out against you as this is just your morality, it's your faith position, you have no reason to say this. They are trying to present themselves as absolutely normal in every stretch of the way except it's just two men or two women. That isn't, that's untrue. The statistics don't bear this out. It's just untrue is all that you can say about it. It's a lie. And they are not accurately representing things. Look at this. It says, um, a new study in the United Kingdom has revealed that homosexuals are about 50% more likely to suffer from depression and engage in substance abuse than the rest of the population, reports health24.com. Now again, if you were to be honest and not biased, if you didn't have a prejudice and some agenda that you were trying to promote, if you found something that caused people to have 50% more depression and substance abuse than the average population, I guarantee you the government would be on this. They would be trying to stop it. They would be outlawing it. They would be promoting this. But you know what? Here it is, homosexuality. And we've got the President of the United States saying that he is trying to get all Americans to accept and to embrace homosexuality, saying that we need to get rid of our outdated ideas and we need to all embrace this. This is a detrimental lifestyle. It is not good. It's destructive. It says, after analyzing 25 earlier studies on sexual orientation and mental health, researchers in a study published in the medical journal BMC Psychiatry also found that the risk of suicide jumped over 200% if an individual had engaged in homosexual lifestyle. Now stop and think about that. 
Boy, again, if we just took the name homosexual off of this, and if you could find something in our society that caused over twice as many suicides among this certain group of people than any other group of people in our society, I guarantee you they would be up in arms. They would be trying to pass legislation. They'd be doing all of this. But because it's homosexuality that causes you to have twice the risk of of suicide, then they don't say anything about it and they promote it as being okay. And they're actually trying to teach this in our schools. President Obama just uh, appointed a person who is the head. I can't remember his name or the name of the organization. If you go to the Family Research Council, it's all there on their website. And he's now one of the new directors. And he is the most outspoken homosexuals promoting homosexuality as an accepted lifestyle in grade school, in the lower grades. He has been an advocate for this for a long time. And he's now uh, President Obama's pick to run some part of this government thing. And these are the kind of people that he's doing, is to promote something that is going to increase, double their likelihood of suicide, increase their uh, possibility of depression 50% and substance abuse. This is going to cause all of these problems. And this is just getting a pass because nobody wants to be politically incorrect. Nobody wants to be a hate monger. I tell you, I'm saying these things because I love people. I'm telling you that homosexuality is not only wrong from a scriptural standpoint because God said it was wrong. The reason God said it was wrong is because He loves you. And God doesn't want you destroying your life. God doesn't want you to live with the guilt and the condemnation and the sexually transmitted diseases and the spousal abuse and the depression and the drug abuse and the suicide. God loves you. It's a destructive lifestyle. But I tell you, this is just what the Word of God has to say. It's wrong. It's what the stats have to say. And people are willingly ignorant of these things. They're, they're intentionally not telling you this stuff. Some people will say, well, it's because of the rejection of the main population that we feel so depressed and suicidal. Well, if that was true, then you could go to Holland where homosexuality has been legalized and been promoted for years. And did you know that the suicide and the depression and the drug abuse rate is statistically identical to the United States where it isn't yet accepted? That, that argument just dies because it can't be proven. Contrary to what's being told, homosexuality is not an acceptable lifestyle. It is not an alternative. It shouldn't be an alternative lifestyle. It is a destructive lifestyle emotionally. And of course, uh, you know, I hadn't even gone into the AIDS, but there are sexually transmitted diseases and things that are unique to homosexuals. And somebody is going to criticize that and cite some instance where, you know, AIDS has been transmitted through a transfusion or something. But that is a very minute uh, percentage of people that ever get it that way. The vast majority of people that have had AIDS get it because of a perverted lifestyle in a homosexual lifestyle. And I cite it as an example over in Uganda where they have been preaching abstinence and they've brought the AIDS rate down to 6% by just starting to be moral and not live like a dog and go around and have 500 to 1,000 sexual partners in a lifetime. I know there's people that take offense to that, but it's the truth. And again, if we could be objective, if people weren't already prejudiced 
And if you found something that increased the suicide rate among a certain segment 200%, that increased depression 50%, that increased drug abuse, that increased spousal abuse, I mean hundreds of times, 300 times, if, if we were to look at anything like that and take the name homosexuality off of it, if you just had these charts over here and you show that here's what group A does and here's what group B does, and if you showed an impartial group of people, didn't matter whether they were religious, secular, ungodly, whether they were green, blue, yellow, whatever, it doesn't matter if you took people and if they were objective and looked at these statistics, I can guarantee you if they weren't prejudiced, they would come to a conclusion that we ought to do something to limit this type of lifestyle because look what it's doing. Twice as many suicides, 50% more drug abuse and um, depression, uh, 300 times as much spousal abuse and all of these things. There is no commitment in these relationships. If people were objective, they would deal with that. But the truth is that the homosexual community is not objective. They had an agenda. They are trying to force this on other people. And, you know, here's a, here's a question that I've had. I don't know if any of you have ever thought this before. But if a person wants to be a homosexual, I am not for that. I'm, I believe it's sin and I'm warning people and saying it's a destructive lifestyle. But let's just say that a person wanted to be a homosexual. Why don't they just do what it is that they want to do without trying to force me to accept it and to approve of it? You know, really, that is a personal issue. Why would anybody have to tell you that they were a homosexual? It's because they are condemned of their own conscience. They are trying to overcome the conviction that they have in their own heart. And they're, they're doing this by trying to gain acceptance from other people and lull themselves into a position of thinking it's okay. Let me go back into this. Uh, it says homosexuals in the United States in, and Denmark the latter of which is acknowledged to be highly tolerant of homosexuality. And, and I've been there, and they are not only highly tolerant, they've passed laws, they encourage it, they're actually actively promoting it. And it says, in, in these two areas, both die on average in their early 50s or in their 40s if AIDS is the cause of death. And so at, even without a person contracting AIDS, homosexuals live into their early 50s. And of course, if they get AIDS, then it can be 40. It says, in contrast to this, the average age for all residents in either country ranges from the mid to upper 70s. And so if you look at that, then that means that homosexuality takes at least 20 years off of your life if you don't get a disease. If you get a disease, of course, it can take much, much more. But anything that cuts 20 years off of a person's life ought to be something that is not endorsed and promoted and trying to push it on other people. And that is exactly what is happening today. I read this thing last week about President Obama is actively trying to change the opinion of Americans to embrace and actually uh, promote homosexuality. And he has made statements that he wants to overturn the so-called Defense of Marriage Act. 
and overturn that and he wants to put out legislation against hate crimes, people would be considering what I'm doing right here a hate crime. And yet what I'm trying to do is to get people to live 20 years longer. I'm trying to limit the amount of suicides. I'm trying to get people free from depression and discouragement. I'm trying to get them out of these relationships where there's no commitments and get them into relationships where they could be committed and enjoy them the way that God meant for them to be. People sit there and they would look at me as I'm speaking hate, but the truth is I'm telling people the truth in love. And there is a move to make that happen. There is a move to start uh, legislating so that I would have to take, in a Christian ministry, have to have employees come in who are openly homosexuals and I would have to hire them even though their philosophy and everything they stand for is completely against everything I stand for. I would have to provide their uh, civil partners full benefits the same as I do a husband or a wife of an employee. And I tell you, that's wrong. And I'm just saying something about it. It's wrong, and I'm going to stand up against it. That is not the way that it's supposed to be. So anyway, the Bureau of Justice Statistics Special Reports, January the 31st, 2002, put these stats out on homosexuality. And of course, there is just a lot, lot more that could be said about it. So anyway, I've tried just to show from Scripture and also from these stats that homosexuality is wrong. For those who believe God, it ought to be obvious that homosexuality is wrong because God has said clearly that a man is not to have relationship with another man the same way that he has relationship with a woman. It's an abomination. And to prove his opinion on it, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis the 19th chapter. And there's instances like in Second Peter chapter 2 and Jude chapter 1 where it says that what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah happened as an example for us so that we could see God's opinion on homosexuality. God is against homosexuality. He does not hate the homosexual. I do not hate homosexuals. I have people that I've reached out to who've been involved in homosexuality. And even after I found out, I still, they are my friends and I've embraced them. And I have a relationship with them to this day. I am not against homosexualities. But I told those people, I am not against homosexuals, but I told those people I am against homosexuality because it's a perversion. It's wrong. That is not the way God made us to be. And you'll see these signs, celebrate diversity. What they mean by that is, let me be immoral and we're just different. And immorality is not good. Let me show you this verse out of Proverbs chapter 14. And I believe it's in verse uh, 34. Proverbs 14, 34. It says... Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And you know, this isn't something that's just for the church or just for us individually to form our own opinions. This is talking about on a nationwide scale. Righteousness, godliness, doing the right thing. Matter of fact, the word righteousness means moral equity. Living a godly life, having standards of right and wrong will exalt a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And there are people that just want to uh, drive all Christians back inside the four walls of a church and have no opinion and voice no opinion in the public place. 
But here I am saying for all to hear that homosexuality is wrong. Not only from a religious, biblical standpoint, it's wrong from any way. If you want to uh, evaluate it based on psychology and based on the amount of depression and suicide and drug abuse and spousal abuse and the hurt that it brings, if you want to evaluate it from the way that it shortens a person's life. You know, I made this point earlier in the week, but we put warnings on a package of cigarettes because the Surgeon General has determined that cigarette smoking can be damaging to your health. And and it takes anywhere from 7 to 10 years off of your life. Those are cigarettes. Homosexuality is statistically proved to take a minimum of 20 years off of your life. And if you get AIDS or some sexually transmitted disease, it can take even more off. It's over twice as deadly as cigarettes. And yet, look how cigarettes have been vilified. And people have actually taken uh, lawsuits and come against the uh, tobacco companies and has filed suit and won and had those tobacco companies have to put out all kinds of money to people who've had their life shortened because of cigarette smoke. What would happen if we were to take the same thing? If, pe- if there was any justice, if there wasn't a bias and a prejudice, and if people were truly honest, well, then you know what? You could take all of the people that are promoting and advocating homosexuality and you could take them to court and you could sue them and uh, come against them and have them pay out large amount of money for all of the people who are dying of AIDS and stuff because it's being promoted and embraced and that agenda is being pushed. Now, that would be a logical thing to do. I'm not saying that I would do that, but I'm just saying that if we weren't hypocrites, if there wasn't an agenda here, and if people were truly objective with this, I guarantee you this homosexuality cannot stand. There is not a leg for it to stand on. It is not a godly thing. It's a detrimental thing. And I'm just telling you in love. Some of you may not understand that it's in love. Some of you may think you just don't instantly lump me in with other people who've gone out and burn abortion clinics or are beat up homosexuals and you think that that's what I'm advocating. I'm saying that the sin is wrong, but I love the sinner. You know, I'm reaching out to the homosexuals. I'm trying to tell you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And there's a lot of people that say if you really loved them, you wouldn't say anything. There are some things that you need to feel wrong about. Homosexuality, based on stats, based on facts, is damaging to your health. It's damaging to your psychology. It's damaging to your person. And any measurement that you want, any measurement except what the gay and lesbian fund wants to do, they, they are misrepresenting facts. But if you go by all of the facts, homosexuality is damaging to your health, to your welfare, to your relationships, And I'm telling you in love that you ought to quit it. You need to get out of it. And the good news is that you can get out of it. It is not something that you are destined to be this way. Man, I've got people in our Bible school. I've got people on staff who were living a homosexual lifestyle. And I mean, they were into it big time by their own testimony They had serious problems with this and they got saved and they have been forgiven and they are completely free. You know, I wouldn't do this because I don't want to point them out, but they have given their testimony publicly and you could go and look at them and they would verify and tell you that they are happier than they've ever been, that they are totally free, 
that they have been set free from all of those tendencies. Contrary to what you're being told, this is not in your genes. It is not the way that God made you. He did not create you to be a homosexual. You have had some weaknesses and some discouragement. All of us at times get like that, and you just were mentored, drawn in by somebody into something, and you feel trapped in it. But I'm telling you, Jesus can set you free. And it's the truth that's going to set you free. And the truth is that God didn't create you to be that way. You can be different. And if you are a believer, and if you understand and agree with what I'm saying, then I encourage you to be outspoken. I encourage you to start being the salt of the earth. And don't let these things go. You don't have to be mean about it, but you need to speak the truth. It's the truth that's going to set people free. And it's only the truth that they know that is going to set them free. If we stay quiet, many people are going to take that as approval and acceptance. And so I'm telling you that there is a godly position to be had on this subject of homosexuality.